Hello, hello. Welcome to MyFi. Glad that you're here. Incredible episode today uh, with Ariel Posen. Incredible songwriter, singer, guitar player, session guy, producer. Does it all. And uh, you're going to love it. Uh, make sure that you're following MyFi on social wherever you're at, at MyFi Podcast. You can also follow me at Lee T. Baker uh, on all the platforms. Make sure you know what's going on with the podcast and whatnot. So make sure you're following and make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. If you're on YouTube or Apple Google, Amazon. I don't know where, where you're listening, but hit subscribe. Uh, super easy. I'm sure wherever it is, you can figure it out. You're, you're smart. Uh, and I believe in you. Uh, but let's get into the show. Let's get into it. Cool. Gosh. So glad you're here. This, I'm, I've looked forward to this episode for a while. Uh, Ariel Posen on the show today. Uh, I followed Ariel for a while as a guitar player myself. He's an incredible player, um, really a different kind of player, and a great songwriter, a great singer, great frontman. Uh, he's got a new record out called Reasons Why. We talk a lot about that record in the episode and the making of that record. We talk a lot about just the creative process behind things and uh, a great story about a great song um, from that record, uh, Broken But I'm Fine. Fantastic song. You should check out uh, on that record. Uh, Ariel is from Winnipeg originally, and he's he's still there uh, up in Canada. And uh, just an amazing, prolific guitarist. Um, he's played, recorded, uh, worked with an array of people that you would know, uh, and I'm, I'm reading because there's so many, uh, the brothers Landreth, who he actually grew up with, uh, uh, also Winnipeg guys. Uh, he's worked with Butch Walker, Corey Wong, uh, Lizzie McAlpine, and recently Tom Jones. Uh, he's, uh, you know, just fantastic. The record's fantastic. The new record's just been out for a few weeks at the time you're listening to this. Um, it, it's kind of hard to put in a genre, and I, I mentioned this at the end of the episode, but I want to mention it to you now because I think that you may want to like pause and go listen to the record and come back or whatever. Um, but it's really unique. Um, I think when you think of like a singer-songwriter genre, you think like, um, uh, you know, strummy acoustic guitar, pop singer, songwriter, piano, stuff like whatever. This, um, this kind of transcends some genres. There's songs that are more Americana. There's songs that are more like R and B, uh, soulful. Uh, there's some rock stuff on the, like it, it really kind of spans some genres. And I, I think it's a really special record. Uh, he's going to be on tour this fall. Uh, he just got back from Europe and was in the middle of that European tour when the record dropped. We talked a little bit about that and the process of just releasing creative material and, you know, what he's liked and, and what he found more difficult about, you know, releasing sort of that way. Um, and, and you can check out all the tour dates and stuff at arielposen.com and you can follow him on social media at Ariel Posen. Um, but, uh, let's, let's get into the episode. Enjoy this conversation I had with my friend, Ariel Posen. Ariel, how are you, man? I'm very well. Thank you so much for asking. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Are you recovered? I've been keeping up on social media. You've been over in Europe for a while. Uh, seems like touring, touring, and then touring before, and then releasing the new record and celebrating that. I think I think that was in London, huh? Yeah, it was a lot. Uh, nice. It was a busy. Yeah, it was a busy run specifically because it was also two weeks before an album drop. I've yeah. never done it like that before, and I can't say that I would do it again that way. Oh, but yeah. it was awesome. It was awesome, uh, but I feel recovered. We actually had, we landed, and then the very next day we had a couple of shows uh, in South Carolina and in Georgia. So it kind of forced us to like stay up late and beat the jet lag, which was fantastic because it worked. We yeah, beat just the jet get up lag. and go. Where were you in Georgia? That's where I am. We were in Tybee Island. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we actually Savannah. stayed in Savannah. We played in, uh, in Bluffton, South Carolina, which obviously, you know, is yeah, pretty close 40 minutes away. And yeah, a little theater in Tybee Island. It was lovely. Yeah. Well, I know you're hitting the road again. I'm planning on making the, uh, Eddie's attic show that is nice. December 8th. I think it is if I remember correctly. So I got it on the calendar, man. Uh, I'm excited. That's a awesome. great venue. Great venue. I don't know. If, have you played there before? I haven't played there, but I know of it's, lore yeah it's a legendary spot yeah yeah it's awesome Excited. so you you dropped the new record reasons why it's amazing dude i've gotten to listen to it several times Thank through you. it's been out at the time we're recording this been out uh what like a, just a week and a half ish yeah 10 days 
Yeah, something like that. Uh, and it's fantastic. You, you posted something the other day about uh, one of the tunes, uh, Broken and Fine. Um, Broken But I'm Fine. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I had listened to that and was like, oh, man, it's so awesome. But uh, Man You Raised, which I think is shortly after that on the record or right after that, it may be my favorite track. Awesome. Yeah. Love to hear it. And that I've was been, the first single. I've enjoyed all the, uh, I know, you know, a lot of people who play guitar follow you, myself included. And so I've enjoyed all of the, uh, like broken out, uh, reels, like with the broken out guitar parts and stuff on it. Have you always done that? No. Uh, it was just an idea, you know, it's, we have to, we have to promote somehow. We yeah. got to try different stuff. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, I, I am known for guitar playing. The album, as you know, is very just album songs. Yeah. Um, but I know a lot of people that follow along um, are into those elements. They're into those kind of bits. I've, e I've even done some videos of breaking down the sessions. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, those are just little, it's just fun to revisit all the work that goes into it and actually just show people. Because when you hear a mix, you hear everything baked in together. Sometimes you don't really get, you can't get granular and hear the, like the little nuances that are going on there. So just an opportunity to, to show people, hey, here's what's actually happening on that track, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers um, to what goes on. I mean, on records in general, but in this record in particular. Um, I want to back up just a second because you said you went through this process in Europe as you guys were traveling and touring and the record drops and you have a few more shows. You come back here and you were like, I don't know if I would do that again. Uh, you seem to be like you have control over, you know, what you do. Was there something that you learned or you just went because uh, there's a lot of people releasing creative things. And I know the process of putting it out there is really interesting. And so based you know, before you have records before reasons why, obviously, was there a favorite way you did it? And why wouldn't you potentially maybe do it this way again, I guess? Um, everything we did in terms of releasing and, and, and the, the plan and creative, creatively and not creatively was what I was about to say. Yeah, <laughs> creatively. Um, was all good. I have, there's nothing wrong with that. It was just more so the, the physical state of being on tour, which is a very demanding, overwhelming kind of place to be while finishing the last bits of like two weeks leading up to a release. I found it a little bit, a uh, little much uh, normally releasing something. And I think I speak on behalf of most artists in this time. It's nice to be home and it's nice yeah. to be in a place where you, you can just consistently focus on that and not focus on how many tickets are sold for the Amsterdam show. Uh, yeah. Do we have a, is this advanced or is this set up? Oh, this, whatever. Uh, you know what I mean? It just, it's just a lot. And hilariously enough, it was a great tour. Shows were great, but we had a lot of like little fires to put up, like merch didn't show up and we got into a car accident. Somebody oh, hit God. us, oh, fell man. asleep at the wheel um, on the A2. We probably saved her life, to be honest, because... Oh my gosh, man. She would, yeah, just all these little things that, you know, not only take you out of um, the tour itself, but prepping for an album release on top of that. It's like, okay, <laughs> there's a lot going on now. Sure. Um, so my favorite, you were asking, I think my favorite time I put out a record was headway. And that was simply because everyone was home still for the most part. And it was this time where I could fully be 110% focused on only promotion of that and, and content and all that stuff. I was just home. Yeah. I was available. I was set up. I still am, you know, I'm still set up the same way, but now that life has been normal again, knock on wood for a couple of years, you know, it's like, yeah, it's a lot more of touring industry is kind of the focus again. So we're, it's always good to try. I find like different approaches for releasing an album and yeah. you don't always want to do the same thing, you know, just because the last record, it made sense to do a seven month cycle with singles <laughs> and really stretch it out. Yeah. It doesn't mean you need to do that the next time. Like maybe the shorter run makes a bit more sense. So it's always a little different. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
It seems um, nowadays that's all changed, you know, obviously too, because radio is not, you know, not really as meaningful anymore. And so, and you can't just drop a record. You got to figure out how to drop singles and tease it. And, you know, otherwise you drop a record and it's like over in like three weeks, you know, yeah. at least that's the way it feels, you know, that's, that's because that's how it is. Yeah. And it keeps changing too. I think the thing that'll always be the same is once the album is out, the shelf life is like, like you said, a couple weeks post. Yeah. Unless something miraculous happens, it gets another yeah. bump of life, but it's all about that lead up. So I understand taking that time before and utilizing it as much as possible because that's really the only time you get to build the hype. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's fun and it's interesting to experiment in different ways because you want to find that perfect balance of letting people know and bugging them about what's yeah. coming, but also to be a bit non-abrasive about it yeah. and not like deter people from listening because you've annoyed them already at this yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. Not like so being salesy and like a marketing, you know, like even though it may exactly. be what it is, but uh, exactly. I, I'm sure, you know, I'm trying, I was sitting here sort of thinking like, I can't remember another artist that I know or I've talked to that, that they were out on tour, like in the cycle of a record release. And it seems to me like you, it would be, really meaningful just because it takes so much courage to, to put art out there. Like, you know, you've worked on this for so long and you're hoping for at least a, you know, like a medium favorable reaction at the very least, you know, but like, cause it takes so much work and it's yes. so much of who you are, you know, and I can tell even these songs, there's a lot of significance behind these songs that people I'm sure will learn the more they listen to the track, but it would be so meaningful to be home when the record drops surrounded by people that you love that, you know, are going to be supportive and excited for you and all that sort of stuff. So I'm sure, I'm sure that was hard. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work emotionally, you know, just every putting out art, like you said, it's a lot. And yeah, you want it to be successful in whatever tier success means to you. Yeah. And you want it to be received well. Um, but at the end of the day, you just want it. I, for me, at least, I just want. I just want people to hear it. So yeah, you know, I don't care about the superficial, this or that. I mean, it's important in the industry. We care about numbers. We care yeah. about stats. We care about analytics. We care about passive Spotify playlists with people who aren't necessarily latching on to your platforms to keep listening but they listen to this one playlist so sure by default while they're making mac and cheese in the kitchen your song might come on you know yeah, but yeah. it might not go anything but it looks good on paper because it's stats it's all these things we have to think about whether we we like to or not and the people that don't get a lot of streams or views will obviously lean into the oh well whatever it doesn't mean anything anyways and then the people that do get a lot of streams or views maybe they take it for granted and they just go ah whatever it's just like there's no right or wrong way to sure to navigate it because it's all just how it is but yeah for me i just i don't know i'm just i'm just doing it i just yes yeah. so i mean to do it on tour at the same time it was cool because you know people that came to the shows got to hear the songs that weren't singles that's cool before before they came out and I'd like to think that when the album came out 10 days ago, they already, it was cool for them to experience, Hey, I remember this song when, he, when they played it and it had this cool thing. And I, I really remember those lyrics and those, you know, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. They may have been the okay. only people in the world to like exactly. hear that song. There's a certain period of time where they were the only people in the world outside of your camp, you know, your band that heard that track. That's pretty freaking special. Exactly. That's that, that was my thought process. And I've seen a couple other friends do that. Like I've seen them release a record on a certain day. Yeah, because you, you typically want to release your album on a show or a market that'll be impactful. Sure. Um, so they'll do a few dates leading up to it, maybe before the album comes out. And, you know, sometimes people will be doing festivals before it, or it's like more soft ticket gigs, which means like, they're not your own necessarily like yeah, headline like shows on tour in Europe and another country. You know? <laughs> yeah. Again, it's just like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, trying to do stuff different. And it was just a, a matter of like, 
what we received in terms of our year logistically and what my team tried to put together in regards to opportunities that we got. And it just made sense to try it the way we did. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no regrets. We did it. Always do it different. I, I I read a story one time that Pink Floyd toured dark side of the moon for like eight months before they even went in the studio and they would play it like, cover to cover in some area of their set like every night and so they would play those like what's it 10 mm. songs on dark side they would play it like cover to cover and they would mess with the order so the time they by the time they went into the studio they like knew all these you know they had like yes. labored over these songs you know which is sure. crazy to me nope nobody could do that nowadays you know there's everything would leak and everything would be out there and you know everything would have right. been heard you know i even saw something yesterday that uh u2 shot a surprise video on fremont street in vegas of a new song and and there's like thousand you can hear the whole song at, at a thousand different angles you know because people are totally there's all this social media you know out there nothing is sacred anymore yeah. <laughs> you can't really I, like even on tour people film and uh film an entire set yeah and they'll post it and it's like okay yeah yeah (laughs) thanks for the support but also (laughs) that's weird it's not going to be as special you know if people can see it you know you know no one can get tickets to the taylor swift eras tour but you can just watch it on youtube if you really want yeah yeah but it's you know it the experience of live music i think i think people understand still understand the sacred nature of the experience of live music and i agree i think that's what uh, is so special about what you're doing. I know you, uh, uh, just, just reading up on you, you, you are from Winnipeg, right? Yeah. Where you grew up. Are you still based in Canada? Or are you in the States? I'm still in Canada. Yeah. Awesome. And, uh, I read somewhere too, that you like are like childhood friends with the brothers Landreth, like those yeah. guys. Yeah. So like yeah, we all guys- grew up playing, playing music with a bunch of other people also in Winnipeg. Just at the same, it was just our generation of of pals who are all just working musicians and yeah. just doing the thing. And I wonder if, if there was, if there was something growing up with that, with the slide thing, you guys are all like such amazing slide players. Like where did that come from? Well, uh, I can really only speak for myself. I, I grew up on the Beatles, I'd like loving George Harrison and, sure. and stuff like that. And I don't think it really had effect on me until I started being a sideman working guitar player where I had to like play all different styles of music and try to be like a Swiss army knife create creatively. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like I could do that country gig, but I could also do the rock gig, try to get on the jazz gig maybe, but also <laughs> the rootsy Americana gig. I could get that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. And a lot of those, a lot of those gigs just require slightly different techniques. So there's a lot of slide stuff. And I was into a couple players that just really spoke to me yeah. with that style of playing. And I don't know if I just had a natural knack for it or not. I hate to say that because it sounds like I'm saying No, no, you do. I mean, I think I was, that's how I was, But like what I'm know. trying to say is, is that like I think I just – um. First of all, it didn't nothing came naturally. Like nothing comes sure. just like that. It was I worked on it a lot, but I just had an, a, this nice natural instinct with it, where I would I would just do it, like play parts for gigs, and and people would go, "Hey, that sounded really nice on that song. Um, why don't you do it on these songs too?" And I'd go, "Oh, okay." Like I not thinking much of it and I just started doing it more and more and I was inspired by a couple of great players I was listening to and it just really I don't know it was just part of my arsenal I guess yeah. as a and and definitely not the only thing I tried to be prof- like really proficient at other aspects of my the technical side of playing too but that seems to be the one that has that just connected and, you know, when I started my own thing and my own artist um, thing, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, uh, you know, writing songs and a, lo- a handful of people knew that that was a big part of my playing. And it, just, and it is. So I just like would yeah. 
insert that into uh, my my playing. And I, I like doing something that most people aren't doing as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, most people are really great at blues or some other thing. I, uh, I'll take any opportunity to try to be in my like own different little yeah. category. I know that slide gets put into that blues thing a lot, but I, I got, I try to not approach it from that yeah. point of view musically. You, you play it way more vocally, way more like melodically than like kind of pen, pentatonic you know, like riffy. It's a, it's super melodic, man. I think you're known for it cause it's, it's hard. So when someone does it well, you know, it, it really stands out. And even though, I mean, you're a great player in a lot of rights, but like, um, man, that thing just stands out. And so I'm glad that that became part of your artist, you know, expression as well, uh, because it is unique to see a singer songwriter, super talented on the instrument as well. And, and not just in the songwriting regard. Uh, and so I'm glad that you, you kept it. And that's what I mean. Like when I watch the reels of all the layers of what's going on and the baritone and the different tuning and the, you know, all that sort of stuff that, that goes on. I think that's why people get super excited about it. Really people who are players or writers or producers or whatever, just have an awareness um, that transcends like, Hey, this is a good song. I like this song to like, Hey, this, this took a lot of work to make this song like really great, you know? And so, so right. kudos, man, is what I'm saying. It's, it's really you. great. And you should always keep it. Uh, cause it's definitely a thing that, that I think it just stands out, you know? Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. What was the process for, well, let me ask you this, because you, you, you kind of brought up being a sideman. And I think, you know, that's, that's how, um, guitar players, at least, you know, you got on the radar playing with people like Corey Wong and Butch Walker and Brothers Landreth and all these different artists that you've, you know, played with and things John Mayer said about the way you play and, you know, all these things that are public knowledge about how great of a guitar player you are. Um, is that something you still pursue the sideman thing? Or are you like 100% focused on doing the artist thing now? Or is there a, a mix of, of those two things for you? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely a hundred percent focused on the artist thing. Nice. And, um, that's what I do. However, I still do a lot of session work, like recording and producing for other artists too. That's, that's the outside of my own thing. That would be the primary out, out like outside source of yeah. collaborating in, in the closest to like sideman ish would be uh, recording and session work, recording on people's records, producing records for other people. Uh, and, but yeah, touring, not really. I'm not, I, I haven't been touring just cause I haven't had any time, but yeah. this year, hilariously enough, I, the way we, you know, plan the record out and, routed the year with touring and stuff. I kind of had a couple of months. I had a few more open gaps than normal. And it's almost like someone just knew that. And, um, I have these friends, scary pockets who you've probably heard of. They do videos every yeah. week on YouTube funk covers. Yeah. They did some touring in the States, which, uh, I joined them for just playing guitar. It was a lot of fun. And, and then it, I also did a month on the road with Tom Jones playing guitar for him. Oh, nice, man. So that, that was kind of a, like the Tom Jones, the Tom Jones. Yeah. But this is not stuff that I would normally do. Most people never call me because they just assume I'm busy. Huh? So it was hilarious that it it worked out. Uh, And it was actually really refreshing to just, you know, not have to do, I love that nothing's more rewarding than playing your own music, but like, it was nice to not, uh, to have someone else worry about all the details and, and yeah, on the planning, right. you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Especially all that stuff. What was yeah. the, uh, uh, what was the writing process like for this record? Was it the same as you always write for your solo stuff or your artist stuff, or did you do something fresh for this record? Nothing different. Um, the only different thing was that I just wrote, way more songs than I usually do. Like in what number? How, how many do you think you wrote? I, I 100% wrote 30 songs. Nice. And yeah, we chose 10 of them. I actually put five of the other ones that didn't make it on an EP out last year called the Downtown EP. Hmm. 
again, these were songs that uh, I really loved, but I just didn't see them together with the 10 that I picked for the record. Sure. But there's 15 other songs that are still on the table for future things. You never know. It's not that they were bad songs. They just didn't quite hold up with, with the 10 I had envisioned thematically and just together. Um, but yeah, I just had time. I, I like to write consistently when I'm in the zone. Like I don't write when I'm on the road. I can't write if I'm doing other stuff. It's just such you a like set aside time for it. I try to, it's, it's a, such an intimate and it mentally exhausting experience yeah. for me, at least. Yeah. I can't just casually do it. I can casually do it if I'm co-writing with other people for their own projects. Sure. But for my stuff, whether I'm writing uh, just on my own or co-writing with someone, I'm like, I need to be in writing season. I need yeah. to not be on tour. It's like, you know, I've said this in other interviews where it's like going to the gym and staying consistent with it. And if you stop going and you, you lose that momentum and that consistency, it's, it's a lot harder to get back and everything. I mean, if you make it back, everything's tough again because you're starting from square one. But even just pulling yourself out of your house to go to the gym is hard. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's like that with writing. I can feel like. So, yeah, I was just at a, at a time where I was still home a lot. It was probably my biggest creative burst ever. Just Oh, nice. The most consistent. And it was just because I was around. Yeah. Was there um, – well, let me ask you this before I forget. Are there um, – are there artists or projects that are out or you can talk about that you worked on as a producer? Cause I'd be super interested in checking out some of that stuff. Maybe our listeners would as well. Yeah. Um, there's been a few things recently that I'm, I'm quite fond of. I, I produced a record. It came out early 2021 for the singer songwriter named Colin Fowley. Uh, kind of a roots Americana nice. type of thing that I thought that turned out great. Um, produced a record for like a guitar player, singer named Justin Saladino from Montreal. Um, that came out last year. I think it turned out really great. Uh, Cal Murphy from the UK is a guy that actually did open for me last year in, in the UK. Very cool. He, I produced an EP for him and he's coming back here actually in a month. We're going to do some more. And yeah, I did a couple other records for some Montreal based artists. One, one her name's Brittany Kennel and she's opening most of the shows on tour with us this year. Yeah. I saw she was uh, on the show here in Atlanta. I'll hopefully be at. Yeah. So her record isn't out yet, but it's really great. I think nice. I'm most does excited a, about does that. Does it have one. a date? Like, will it be out? Is she going to tour all the way up to her release as well with you? <laughs> Maybe. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what her release date is, but I'm excited for it. She's amazing. That's awesome. and, and it turned out really good. So yeah. And there's a few more coming up. Uh, I, I just love that kind of work because yeah. it's, it's another way of just being really creative and helping someone else hopefully see their goal. Uh, creatively speaking and musically speaking, but not feeling the pressure that it's your own music, but still taking accountability yeah, for yeah. the project itself. Sure. The um the fifteen tracks or so that didn't make reasons why, will we hear or see any of those on like a deluxe edition or anything like that? Maybe. Nice. Maybe. All right. I can't say yes or yes or no, but very likely. Uh was there a time in writing all that stuff and just in the creative process? Because uh, I, I I think that sometimes na nowadays um, when I was growing up, rock stars were these like mythical creatures and we didn't know their habits and how they created and all that sort of stuff. It was just like, you know, a Guns N' Roses record would come out and we, you know, we're just like, man, this thing came out of nowhere. But there have been months of like things going on. And now we have like documentaries and everybody's on Instagram and we kind of get the behind the scenes of things. But I still think there are stories that we don't know of. Was there a song on the record that that was just like a war for you to write? or record that you're just like, man, that one was 
hard. That's the story of that song sort of stands out to me. The creative process of writing and getting the right version and finishing like that song sort of stands out and why. Lyrically writing these songs, I think I chose those 10 songs because like the narrative, the lyrics and everything was, I thought it felt really solid. There was no question about it. Like it felt like I, I picked those songs because I thought they were the best songs. Yeah. And yeah. what makes a good, the, a good song for me first is lyrics, melody. So that wasn't an issue. Uh, the song broken, but I'm fine. Um, that song started with an approach that we recorded, which was a, a lot more of a trio, kind of bluesy, kind of very busy guitar kind of thing. And we recorded it. We did it as is. I recorded vocals. I recorded everything around it. All at once. Not, not I mean, like when we were doing the sessions um, and months kind of went by we took about two and a half months off there was uh there was like another there was a a covid delay omicron oh yeah delayed us a couple months in between when we did sessions and and once we kind of finished tracking everything this is when this delay happened so we just took a couple months off we said hey let's reconvene like there's no rush yeah let's pick back up in end of march this is a beginning of last year and going through everything, everything felt great. I was loving where everything was sitting, but that one song was feeling kind of whack to me, not lyrically. I thought lyrically was one of my favorites because it's so clearly just talks about our own mental health and we're, and how we always brush it off to everybody. We're kind of like, ah, my life's a fucking mess and I'm really sad, yeah, but it's yeah. fine. It's all yeah, good. I'm, I'm you know, good, we always do that. Yeah. Yeah. Bro- so broken, but I'm fine. Is yeah. what we do, you know? So lyrically it was great, but musically it, it just felt so guitar-y and kind of, I was getting irritated by it. So I stripped everything back. I kept the drums, the vocals, the keys, and just the solos, like the guitar solos. Cause I knew those were good. Um, and I just, I, I called up my bass player, Julian, and I was just discussing ideas of how to reapproach it. it. It went from this like, boom, and I was like, what if it was more of like this almost like a very like a poppier kind of production yeah, kind of driving a little more. And we tried a few things out and he started sending me stuff and I was like, oh, I think this could be really cool. And it kind of reinvigorated me a bit. And so I ended up adding and writing brand new parts for it. And and then I had some more keys done because it just needed some extra stuff. And yeah, it was about a month later, we, we kind of settled on a new format. I was even thinking about putting out the old original version as a, also as a deluxe version, but I just don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so much better what we did. And I'm so glad that we took the time. And it's like the most important thing, thing you could do as an artist, but also as a producer or a co-producer, if it's your own, it's just like be open to firing anything or any part, you know, starting, yeah. starting over again. And that's what, that's what I did. I just listened to my gut. Like it just was telling me, you know what could be better. And it's not quite where it needs to be. It feels a little garage jam band at the moment. Yeah. Let's make it like have impact. Cause that's like, my number one thing I'm always trying to be is like meaning impact quality over quantity. And it was just ticking all the boxes of the opposite side of that. So, yeah, well, I think that's a hard thing. You work so hard to get something close to finished and to think about stripping it back and tearing it down to the bones again and starting over so laborious as a creative person, you know? Yeah. But if you're driven and and you're inspired, uh, it's reinvigorating. Like it, it, it's, it's almost like there's a chase to it. And that yeah. chase kind of keeps you, keeps the fire going and you're hungry. You know, you want to yeah. like, you want to find that thing. Yeah. I'm writing for a solo record right now. And there's a song that I've written four times, like from the ground up and the subject matters there and I have pages of lyrics that I love. And it's really, it's almost the same thing. It's just, 
it's I don't want it to feel as dark as the lyrics are. And I, you know, I want there to be this juxtaposition and I just haven't gotten the right thing yet. Um, but I just enjoy sitting down and working on it. And I think if you enjoy the process of making more, more or equal to the process of sharing, there's always that motivation that you want things to be right. They don't have to be perfect in, you know, for whatever, whoever gets to define that, you know, but they, you just want as a creative person to go, that's what I was trying to do. You know, is yeah. that the way it felt on that little broken one, but I'm fine situation? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And but the, at the end of the day, too, like we never know if we totally. made the right decision. You just gotta like, I think you have to at some point. You just go, you know what? Putting my foot down now. This yeah. is we've gone far enough. You know, we're never gonna make a decision if we keep going. You know. Yep. I don't know. It, it felt right. And at least it felt right because I had something else to compare it to. Yeah. Yeah. Like the rest of the record or the, no, I, I mean uh, like I had the original version yeah. of the song that yeah. we originally did. So it gave me more perspective. Um, but you just got to trust your gut. And that's the, the scary thing about making music and albums is like they're little time capsules too. So, you know, you just got to, commit to the production and the, the, the songwriting <clears throat> decision and, and let it fly at some yeah. point or else. I mean, like we will never put anything out if we never just like commit to ideas. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that's where people get into a trap though. There's a lot of songs that, um, great songs that we'll never hear because they're just on some piece of paper or on a hard drive somewhere, Yeah, you know, and having the, the call it whatever you want, the discipline, the courage, whatever you want to just finish the thing, put a date on it. I was reading an article last night about the Rolling Stones new record and they haven't put a record out in 18 years. And it came down to, they, they said, well, what, uh, it was a Rolling Stone article and they, they had asked Mick and Keith, what, um, what made you finish it? And Mick said, we put a date on the calendar and went, Hmm. we have, we have to do this. And, And I think just, you know, staring a deadline in the face sometimes or knowing you have a deadline, you know, is one of the best things that you can, you can do. I mean, I, I kind of work that way too, is that I know that you had some delays. You talked about that. Obviously you've been working on the record for a couple of years. Um, did you guys, did you have a date in mind? I know you said you weren't like in a hurry, but do you work no. opposite of that? No, we, we didn't have a deadline or anything like that. Uh, I can see how a deadline can definitely help those that need the, the bump or like the, the push. Sure. Um, but at the same time, some of us just have the bump and the push built in. Like we, yeah. like if there's no issue of, is he going to put it out? Is he going to finish this record? Like, like I, I, when I start a record, like I'm, I'm just very motivated to make a great record and then eventually get it out. While not rushing the process, but um, I haven't put myself in like a deadline situation yet. And I, yeah. I just don't like put it, I like the idea of putting myself in a situation like that too, because I, I don't want time constrictions to have anything to do with the creative output. But some people, I get it. It just... Yeah, some people... I, work I, I've, I've, I've worked on projects where people sat on it for a couple of years and some people never saw the light of day. Some people just going, ah, fuck it. I'll just put it out. Yeah. And and they didn't really put that love into it that they did because enough time had passed that they had moved on mentally from it, but they still wanted it out. Or I've seen people just like really rush a project because no, no, we need this done by this day. And it needs to be done like this, which I get it's normal. And it's just, I haven't seen it work out great. I I think they're fine. Yeah, 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 and I heard it's really good too. I haven't listened to it yet. The single, the single. The sing- yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Keith Richards guy, like big time, big time. Uh, and uh, man, it's it. The single's fantastic. You just yeah, I heard it's awesome. You go, man. I'm gonna man. listen to that right when we're done. Yeah, dude, uh, watch the video. Even the brilliance of the video, which I would say there's some brilliance in they're in the video, but they're not in the video. Like they're oh yeah. It's it's just it, it's stuff from the past. I won't ruin it for you, but it's stuff from the past. They just there's so much smart just so much wisdom 
I, I guess, around the way that they they dropped it. But, uh, you know, one thing I didn't look at, was this on a label or was Reasons Why an independent release for you? All my records are independent. Excellent. So you definitely weren't working with a deadline. There's sometimes those are put on you by outside sources, you know, <laughs> and that, and those are usually the, the main sources for, for anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is no. there, is there something that, you know, you're a few records into your solo career. You've had a super successful, um, you know, career as a sideman and session guy. And obviously now as a producer and all this 10, 12 years ago, is there something that you wish you knew or would have told yourself then when you kind of were kicking off to were just like, man, if I'd have just thought this, believed this, knew this, you know, it could be practical industry stuff. It could be like more like emotional, personal stuff too. But is there something your younger self wished you knew about just making a career as a creative person? I mean, sure. It would have been nice to know everything I know now then because... I could have just started a few years earlier, yeah. <laughs> but in reality, I wasn't ready then. Yeah. I needed my experience into my thirties yeah. to be around people uh, who were really involved in the industry, people who were great performers, front people, uh, tour managers, um, mm. label people agents dealing with all these kind of industry and non-industry people was a, was probably one of the most essential parts of understanding how I could even conceive do like the idea of doing my own thing. So, I mean, if I were to tell my 12 years ago self, I, I just be like, do the same thing. A few years, you'll, you'll yeah, li- listen. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, well, yeah, but I did do that. And yeah. I, that's why I think it worked out is because I listened and it just, it just, it naturally happened when it happened. I didn't force, you know, if I just, when I was in my early twenties, been like, ah, you know what? Having a career as a guitar player is fun, but I, I always want to do my own thing. If I just forced myself into it. Yeah. There's so many factors. I mean, you know, luckily, like when I chose to start doing it, like social media was very helpful. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the same 10 or 12 years ago. Totally. You know, there's all these little elements that really helped us, I'd say, or I helped myself. And the biggest one is, like I said, just the experience, understanding, mm-hmm. perspective, and knowing how to tread into yeah. this world of being an artist. Yeah, there's so, something yeah. to do. There's something to that. Just letting things develop as they develop. There's probably a reason it's not happening. And some of it may be just not being, not being ready for whatever. But like, look at, next. look at someone like, not that I'm comparing myself, but look at someone like Chris Stapleton, who's just massive now. Yeah. Really wasn't doing anything differently 10 years ago. He blew up eight years ago, only, yeah. seven or eight years ago. And I remember seeing those pictures of him playing to like six people in a bar somewhere and wherever he was doing the exact same thing. He was writing great songs, singing his ass off, playing them. Was, was he ready then? You know, he could have been very likely he was. It was just that moment of when it popped off for him. He had that opportunity. Yep. What I'm trying to say here is I think it's just different for everyone. We all, think it's supposed to happen when you're 19 or 20 because you're just using the as much time as possible. And some people, especially this day and age, are 18, 19, 20, 21, who are making outstanding music, having incredible success. Absolutely. And in the, and in the past, too, a lot of mm-hmm. bands started when they were super young. And it's, a, it's, it's just so many mixtures of right place, the right time, mixtures of just like, having that magic magnetic factor doesn't matter what age and a lot of other people it's just happening when it was meant to happen and it's fine yeah i think i think think there's like been a normalization in the last five to ten years of people really starting to just do something and not caring about like ah Am I too old? Am I too young? Should I have done this earlier? Yeah. No, it's just they're just doing it now. And I don't know if that's because inf- there's more infrastructure for it or not, but 
I think it's cool. It is. It is. Man, I'll ask you one more question to wrap up. It's a tough one, okay? Your your three like desert island records. Oh yeah. Hate these yeah. questions. I know you do. I, everybody Desert does. Island discs or albums? Yeah, yeah. I, I like this question because uh, everybody you know who listens it, you learn stuff and you go, Oh man, I've never gotten into that record. You hate answering it, but you love hearing the answer to it because you yeah. find out, you know, records that like, oh man, yeah, I should I should know more about that artist or whatever. I hate answering those questions because like, first of all, I can never think of anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's seasonal though. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So like, I'm just, so there's three random records that I really like right now. I'm not like holding you accountable to this, to the grave. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, (laughs) see what I mean? I just, I just kind of, I just kind of freeze with these things. Um, okay. Three records. I love, I always kind of go back to it. It kind of never gets old and it's super random. It's not like one of their most popular records. That's the best though. But Rubber Soul by the Beatles. Nice. Is a go-to for me. Always will be. It's, it's like the last record right before that transitional period started with Revolver, which would yeah. really be considered their transitionary period yeah, before Sgt. Peppers, but something about Rubber Soul feels like the first step in that direction. Mm-hmm. I always love that. Um, Voodoo by D'Angelo never gets oh, old yeah. for me. Yeah. Such a great written record. And just, you know, the impact it's had on musicians and music in all genres, I think people don't really realize its impact while it, the impact is definitely there. Um, I can go back to that record endlessly and never, never get sick of it. Yeah. Third record. Mm. <laughs> um, Oh man, I hate this. Let me look at my. Oh no, I'm using. I'm not bailing you out, dude. I'm not bailing you out. Rock record. Give me a rock record you love. I won't even. A rock record I love. Yeah. Well, there's many. I mean, I grew up in. I started playing guitar in the mid night, like early mid nineties. Yeah. When it was like Nirvana and Green Day and. So what was your grunge album? We'll count that as the third. What's your grunge record? I'd say it was probably Dookie because it was just like that time of, in my age, my, it was a pivotal time. Yeah. Of, that was the biggest thing at the time. They actually just, I think it's the 30th anniversary. I know it came yeah. out in 94, but they've just been. Yeah, they're about to do a I've big I've been seeing it everywhere, the 30 Re-release. year anniversary. Yeah. And all these extra songs, there's like tons of songs, I guess, from those sessions are going to drop and all Yeah, that. it's a trip hearing uh, some of the songs from their, uh, their album, like Kerplunk record from the dookie session yeah because i just know the sound of those sessions so well it's kind of a trip to hear yeah i don't know that's i could could have picked any record around that time but in terms of impact i'd say that in utero same same kind of era they came out obviously never mind those those bands kind of had a huge there was a not to get too nerdy but there was a remix of in utero in like 2013 that got released on vinyl it has like the same you know like being whatever that is on the cover of angel thing but it's black man the the mix is just i think maybe brendan o'brien did it i forgot who did it but it's it's just fantastic that record is an underrated nirvana record people kind of skirt by that sometimes I like how he still stayed true to the mix totally. for the most part. Though. He didn't really like change. He just kind of colored it. Yeah, it feels ever little, so differently. Yeah, it feels slightly more uh, aggressive to me, which is probably the nature of uh, his mixes, his drums and stuff. Always sound so good, but maybe uh, like, I don't know if it's a hot take, but like whenever bands as iconic as that that have had records that are just so iconic, yeah, like advertise or do like a remix of that record. I'd love to see people with like obviously tastefully, but like really get into the weeds and like take it into a new direction. Yeah, just mess it I up. I feel like everyone's a little a little scared. I mean, rightfully so. I mean, yeah, why, yeah, just being respectful. Who wouldn't, 
Yeah. Yeah. Who? No one's going to mix in, remix in utero and just <laughs> reprocess everything and try. I don't mean it like that. I just mean like, you know, maybe there's a way of slightly enhancing it in a way that like with tech that we have now that wasn't a thing back then or just yeah. I'm sure tastefully can, and respectively. I'm sure you I think people should be afraid. Bro. You should do it. Find the stems. Knock it out. <laughs> oh, God. I would just butcher it, I think. I don't think anyone wants that. Man, your record's so good. Um, reasons why it's great. If you guys are listening, you never heard the record, please go listen to it. He, follow Ariel on social, at Ariel Posen everywhere, arielposen.com. It's real easy to find. Um, the record is really, there's something for everybody. Um, there's soul stuff, there's rock stuff, there's blues stuff, there's Americana stuff. It's It really is a unique singer-songwriter record, and uh, in large part because the songs are great, but also just being a great guitar player and having such a different voice as a guitar player, man, I think the record's great and everybody should go check it out. So I appreciate the time, bro. I hope that the tour this fall goes awesome. Hope to see you in Atlanta. Hope the record just does everything you wanted it to do and more, and uh, we'll look forward to, to more from you. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being uh, on the show, Ariel. Fun chatting with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Man, fantastic conversation uh, with Ariel Posen. Please go check out uh, the new record, Reasons Why, arielposen.com for all the tour stuff, and at Ariel Posen on all his social stuff, Instagram, Facebook, uh, threads. Even uh, I follow him on there. Very, very active, very conversational social media accounts there with Ariel. So make sure that you go uh, follow him and keep up with all the stuff that's going on. Keep up with the tour. Uh, is playing a lot of great small venues around the U.S. this fall. So if you really want a great experience, I just uh, uh, he's playing a show in December. I mentioned on the episode uh, here at Eddie's Attic in Atlanta, and I'm going to probably be at that show. Uh, Eddie's is a really small, great room for singer songwriter stuff. And I'm sure a lot of the venues are similar that he's playing maybe in your town. So go check out all that. Go see a show, uh, pick it up on vinyl, whatever you need to do. Um, and make sure that you're following MyFi uh, at MyFi Podcast everywhere on socials. I'm at Lee T. Baker everywhere on socials. You can check out MyFiPodcast.com to go find some like past episodes and whatnot. Um, and uh, keep up with everything we got going on over there. Make sure you subscribe, subscriptions, and rates and reviews and all that help the podcast jump up in other people's uh, you know, algorithm and the things that they follow so they see the podcast more. And we want to share uh, the podcast as much as we can. MyFi is about finding creati- cre- uh, creative clarity and figuring out uh, learning from each other, you know, how to make the things we want to make and be creative. And that process is, is uh, hard sometimes and rewarding most of the time, <laughs> you know, so it was a great conversation with Ariel, uh, about his process and about the making of reasons why, and about his life as an artist. So hope you enjoyed it. And until next time, you guys have a good one.